Testament.
Okay. Marlo, are you there? Hi, good evening. I'm here. All right. We'll let you mute. Jim, are you there? I'm here. All right. One more time. Come in, Jim. Are you here? here? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Oh, come on. It's good. Okay. We can mute.
nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening, and welcome to another evening of Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the very best in women's sports and HBCU athletics. We have our tremendous co-hosts with us tonight, and they're fired up. It's March Madness. Marlo, we'll let you say hello to the audience first. Good evening, everybody. Excited to be here. All righty. And Jim, March Madness time. Jim, say hello to everybody. All right, Jim's going to pop in here shortly. All right, so tonight we're going to get started right away. We're going to continue with our series of our Woman of the Month, none other than Miss Wilma Rudolph. Tonight, we're going to talk about her early years. Miss Rudolph, as a child, was introduced to organized sports at <coughs> Burt High School, the center of Clarksville's Tennessee's African-American community. She completed several years of medical treatments to regain the use of her left leg from an early age of polio. Rudolph chose to follow in her sister Yvonne's footsteps and began playing basketball in the eighth grade. Rudolph, she continued to play basketball in high school and where she became a starter on the team and began competing in track. In the sophomore year, Rudolph scored 803 points and set a school record in high school girls basketball. In fact, her basketball coach gave her the nickname of Skeeter because she moved so fast. But as a basketball player, she was spotted by Ed Temple, Tennessee State's track and field coach, a major break for this young athlete. The day that Ed Temple saw the 10th grader for the first time, he knew that she was a natural athlete. Rudolph had already gained some track experience on Burt High School's track team two years earlier mostly as a way to keep busy between basketball seasons. As a high school sophomore, Rudolph completed, competed at Alabama Tuskegee Institute in her first major track event. She lost the race, but she was determined to continue competing and win. Coach Temple invited this 14-year-old Rudolph to join his summer training program at Tennessee State University. And after attending the track camp, Rudolph won all nine events she entered at the Amateur Athletic Union track meet in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And as you can imagine, she was recruited, signed in 1958 with the Tennessee State Tiger Bells, and the rest, as they say, is nothing but history. Wilma Rudolph. James, I'm going to come to you first. Give us a little more about Wilma Rudolph and what you think. And we also encourage our audience to type your comments in the chat. Okay, Marlo. All right, while we're waiting on um, Jim to come in. Um, of course, um, what I read about this legend, uh, Miss Wilma Rudolph, Sarah Wilma Rudolph, a TSU Tiger Bell, um, is she had 21 siblings. So can you 
imagine. <laughs> um, and then that probably made her a track star on herself having to uh, rush to the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, I know. Between all of them, they had what a football team, both sides, and the basketball uh, full squad uh, mm-hmm. or both. Um, I mean, sh- and and just. She was just awesome, and I really am enjoy reading like the nicknames that that um, some of the different countries actually gave her. Um, like uh, Cliff mentioned, she actually got her one nickname Skeeter from her high school coach um, because, of course, she moved quickly like a mosquito, as they say. The French gave her the nickname as the Black Pearl. The Italians gave her the nickname as the Black Gazelle. She was nicknamed the Flash, the Tornado, <laughs> the Track Star. Um, so that lets you know that everybody respected her, um, gave her lots of respect, um, and enjoyed just watching her, um, you know, compete and, and run. And she was just a determined, you know, young lady at the time and was just determined that, you know, although she started off having polo um and then people told her that she would never walk again she was like okay i'll show you um i'm gonna walk and run so um it's it's just a pleasure as always to talk about um sarah wilma rudolph jim yes and like i said last week she's just a real pleasant person and one thing I did find out from my roommate was that Ed, Ed Temple and the Tiger Bells, mm-hmm. they did not let anybody, male or female, other than the Tiger Bells, on that track over at TSU. Wow. Wow. They were very uh, guarded with, you know, didn't let anybody on there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in 1960, she uh, met and fell in love with Muhammad Ali at the uh, Rome Olympics. <laughs> Who was faster? Uh float like a butterfly yeah well great we're going to continue to celebrate her life and all that she's done to open the doors and track and field now we have a guest coming on next week another track and field superstar a quiet one though randy gibbons ran in the 1984 olympics she ran the 200 and the 100 meters uh we're going to let her tell you her placement. She was also a legend at Florida State University in track and field. And she's also now a businesswoman and a motivator. And I know her uh, personally. She's a great, great person. Can't wait to get on the show. Then I want to go to April 3rd. We'll have another guest, Fisk University's Hall of Fame basketball player, Miss Renee Spencer. She's a great great person, a role model, motivates young folks, educator, business, all the above. So we're just giving a little advertisement because we have some great things coming down the pipe. And then April 17th, we will have the president of the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. James, what's his name again? Uh, Roderick Smothers Jr. I just got a text from him saying that it'll work for him. So he's excited. Wonderful. So Gulf Coast Conference president. And then we have some more coming for you down the line. We've had a commitment from 
Shamika, I want to say it right. Shamika, Ray, uh oh, Randall. How can Randall. I miss it? Shamika Randall, Tennessee Ball. Yeah, from a Tennessee Volunteer, played for Pat Summit. She's coming on our show as well. We're going to get her in our lineup. So we have a lot of great things coming. It's track and field and March Madness time because spring is coming. And we know this month basketball went in in about a month. Now, we have some other news of history. It's in the women's division, a highlight, but it's a male coach. Coach Brooks, the present coach of the Virginia Tech women Hokies, was the first male to coach, black man, to coach a champion team, women's team, in the ACC tournament and win. And they also are a number one seed out of the four seeds just announced for the Division One championship. So, Coach Brooks, congratulations. All the Hokies, congratulations. All righty. Now, Let's move on down the line. We have some all-conference honors in our HBCU conferences. Tonight, we're going to cover just the CIA and the SIAC. And the next few weeks, we'll get the SWAT, the MEAC, and the Gulf Coast uh, Conference players honors. Let's start with the CIAA. And the way they do it, they do a backcourt and a frontcourt and then players of the year. So these backcourt players, Shania Jones, Johnson C. Smith, Amaya Tucker, Winston-Salem State University, Anala Bryant, Fayetteville State University, Samoa Blakemore, Virginia State University, and Kania Pollock from Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. They are the backcourt all-conference players this year in basketball. In the front court, Anissa Fields, Lincoln University, India Howard, Johnson C. Smith University, Tanaja London, Shaw University, Brittany Seymour, Shaw University, Lazaria Bowens, Johnson C. Smith University, and Nye Langland, Virginia Union University, Lauren Banks, St. Augustine University. So let's say congratulations to these players, all CIAA. Now, let me continue on. These uh, The CIAA Women's Player of the Year was Amaya Tucker from Winston-Salem State University, and the Defensive Player of the Year, Anissa Fields from Lincoln PA University, and Dr. Peggy Green, CIAA Women's Coach of the Year, goes to Janice Washington of Lincoln PA University. Let's give all these people in the CIAA a big hand. Now, Marlo, Jim, I have something on the CIAA before I ask you to give your comments on this great conference. Out of all the conference players, not one award went to Elizabeth State, City State University Vikings, who won the CIAA tournament and represented the CIAA in the Division II tournament. They came out of nowhere. What do you think? That's a, well, where were they ranked in the uh... – tournament seed i'm sorry yeah they were number fifth or sixth seed they were fifth shaw was sixth and both of them played in the ciaa conference finals mm. Mm -hmm. 
March Madness, huh? Oh, yeah. That conference must be real balanced. Very much so. Carlo, what do you think? Uh, you said that they did not. What did you? What, what was they your comment? They did not have on? one player not selected player. on any of the conference awards, and yet they were the team that emerged and won the CIAA conference tournament and represented the CIAA in the Division II national tournament. Well, they just stepped up and showed them. Well, you know, maybe, maybe somehow you all just happen to overlook us, but you know we're just here to show you who we are. So, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> I do believe that they will have some players on the preseason all conference tournament going in the next year. That's for sure. Okay. Definitely. Our other conference, the SIAC, and I want to say to Coach Powell. Great job, the Tuskegee women, 26-3, going into the tournament. And uh, these are the first team players in the SIAC, our other Division II conference. Nyla Allen, Savannah State. Ashala Jackson, Tuskegee. Lamala Harris, Miles. Kylan Nash, Central State. And Jatoria Willis, they make up the first team, all SIAC. Coach of the year, Trelane Powell, Tuskegee of the Tuskegee. Player of the year, Ashella Jackson, Tuskegee. Defensive player of the year, Detoria Willis, Tuskegee. And then the newcomers of the year, the Maya Harris of Miles, and freshman of the year, Madison Lee of Miles. So congratulations to all of these women in SIAC and Coach Powell for Coach of the Year. And by the way, we received the contact back from Coach Powell. We wanted to come on the show, and she responded back with her number, said give her a call. So we look to have her on the show as well very soon to get some knowledge on the SIAC. All righty. We're going to move on. Bracketology time. And this is the part of our show that we want to educate our audience. NAIA and the three divisions of the NCAA, not just Division One that you see. So first, let's go to the NAIA tournament, which has been going on. There are 16 teams left. Central Methodist will versus Texas Wesleyan. This is in the round of 16. Marion and the Indiana versus Westmont. California, Thomas Moore, Kentucky versus Cumberland out of Kentucky, Montana Western reverse Dort out of Iowa. Then we go to the opposite side or opposite brackets. Campbellsville, Kentucky reverse Rio Grande from Ohio. Lewis Clark State out of Idaho reverse Clark out of Iowa. Indiana Western versus Brian Cliff out of Iowa. And Dakota State reverse Carroll out of Montana. In this tournament, we had three HBCU women's teams, Florida Memorial University, Philander Smith, both of them were eliminated in the first round, and Russ College, who won the GCA, was eliminated in the second round. But this is a great tournament. March Madness is going on at a lot of levels. NAIA, so far. 
No one talks about this one much. <clears throat> but Division Three, Division Three tournament NCAA is already down to the final four. Okay, they have in the final four Transylvania, and you have Smith College on one side of the bracket, the other side Christopher Newport News at Newport News, Virginia. And Rhode Island College will square off. These teams will be in the semifinal on 3:18 at 7:30 and 5 p.m. And the championship will be played on fall. All three women's championships, NCAA Division One, Two, and Three, will be played in Dallas, Texas, on fall one. So we will get, to, and it'll be shown on ESPN. So March Madness going on at the Division Three level, and the ladies are doing well. Now, March Madness at the Division Two level. And we have some great teams uh, lined up so far. They are Glenville State and Westchester. Tampa defeated Equin. Let me go slow. Glenville State defeated Westchester. Tampa defeated Eckerd today. Those teams have moved on. Minnesota Duluth defeated Missouri Southern, and Catawba George lost to Georgia Southwestern today. So those teams have moved on. Assumption defeated Bentley sixty-two to forty-seven, and Jefferson defeated Southern New Hampshire. So those teams are moving on. UT Tyler. Is still playing right now against Lubbock Christian. The score is 10 to 9. And so we'll see what happens there. And later on, Cal State Dominican Hills will play Cal State San Marcos. And so all of these teams will be moving on in that tournament. And the next round after that will be the quarterfinals. So this is Division Two. Division Two, March Madness. Okay, going on at every level. All righty, give him a hand. Marlo, I want you to say something because you were asking offline some things that you didn't know about so much basketball being played across the country. Everybody just sees Division One. So what do you think about what you're learning tonight? Yeah, I was just, as you were naming some of the schools, I was, you know, listening and I was like, wow, and where is that school, you know, located? It's because, like you just said, um, you only see, like, the Division One schools and I don't think, you know, well, I'm not going to say I don't think, but it, it um, I don't know if people, like, really realize how many schools are actually out there and then yes. how many different tournaments you know, that are going on, um, like one of the, the, was it the NAIA, the one that you said they are already sure. like in the finals. Yes. And it was like, wow, when, when did they even start, you know, their games? Yeah, uh, everybody is really focused mm -hmm. in on, you know, when the division one schools, um, start, I think that they forget about all the other schools. So, I mean, that's something that some of the students, you know, if you're looking for a college, you might get into a division one school, but 
you know, you still have so many other schools out here, you know, where you can continue to play basketball and you just never know which scouts are out there looking at you. So, I mean, I think it's amazing. It's awesome. And we're going to get into that discussion later on about the many opportunities. One more before we go to break. Very briefly, because they just announced a field, Division I women's basketball. South Carolina, Dawn Staley, overall number one in the tournament. They will open up against the MEAC champion, Norfolk State University, and they're in the Greenville 1 region. Now, it was considered the Seattle region, number one seed, the Stanford Cardinals. You know, Brittany Anderson was on a show a few weeks ago, and we wish her well. They will play the winner of Southern University, who got by Jackson State in the SWAC tournament. They have to play Sacred Heart, and the winner of that will play the number one seed, Stanford University. Now, in the Greenville 2 region, number one seed, Indiana, 27-3, they will play the winner of Tennessee Tech and Monmouth in the play-in game. And last but not least, Seattle 3, Virginia Tech, Hokies, number one seed, will play against Saturday. We're going to go a lot more into detail next week, but we'll be down the field of 16 by then. Everybody get your brackets off and uh, get ready. We're going to go to a break. Jim, we'll be right back. Ready for you. Okay. Before we get started, Jim, welcome back to Cliff Burton Friends. We want to say hello to one of our guests, Terry, who's also in the uh, audience tonight. Jim, take us away. All right, Bracketology updates on the men's division. In the NIA, we had Xavier, who won their first game, beat Hoper International 95-57 then lost to the College of Idaho, 76-61. Tougaloo defeated Texas A&M, Texarkana, 75-65, but then lost to SAGU, 75-62. No, no, they defeated them. I'm sorry. Yeah. They defeated (laughs) And they also won today at three o'clock. They played yes. St. Thomas. Yes. And beat St. Thomas 74 to 68. Yeah. They in there. Elite eight. Come on, Jim. Yeah. Langston defeated 
Southern Oregon, 81-64. And they also defeated Southwest Kansas, 87-75. They play uh, Georgetown of Kentucky on Tuesday. All righty. Division two, we didn't have such good luck there as Winston-Salem State lost to Indiana of Pennsylvania, 56-50. Virginia Union defeated Fairmont State, 66-64, but lost to Indiana of Pennsylvania, 45-60. And Tuskegee lost to West Alabama, 64 to 70, and Miles lost to Nova Southeastern at 55 to 97. Hmm. There were no HBCUs in Division Three playoffs, but in Division One, we have Howard who won the MEAC, and guess what they guess what their prize was? <laughs> they get to play number one seed Kansas on Thursday. <laughs> Texas now Southern and we may have an upset now. Mm-hmm. That'll be the <laughs> second time ever. Texas Southern is going to play Farley Dickinson on Wednesday in a play-in game. Texas Southern was uh, has a losing record the whole season, but managed to win the SWAT. Wow! And again, the winner of that will play either number one Purdue or number one Alabama. And the number one seeds in Division One will be Kansas, Alabama, Purdue, and Houston. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of all conference teams, I did see a there's going to be an all there's going to be HBCU All Star Game that's going to be played in Houston on the Final Four weekend in Texas Southern. All right now. And they have the uh, Willis Reed and Dick Barnett are the coaches. And Willis Reed's team will consist of the SWAC and the CIAA. Mm-hmm. He's got Cameron Christian of Grambling State University, Brian Whitley of Southern University, mm-hmm. Jordan Carl Nicholas, a name that we should know because we call his stats out every week at Texas Southern University, John Walker III, Texas Southern, Sean Doss, another familiar name, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Will Douglas from Prairie View A&M. Terry Collins, Mississippi Valley State. Marcus Garrett, Bethune-Cookman University. Robert Osborne, Virginia Union University. Terrence Hunter Whitfield, Virginia State University. And Corey Williams of Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. The head coaches will be Dante Jackson of Grambling State and Jay Butler of Virginia Union. All right. Now, both of these are former Knicks. You've got Team Dr. Dick Barnett, Uh which will consist of the MEAC, the SIAC and Independent Schools. You've got Joe Bryant Jr. of Norfolk State, Chris Bankston of Norfolk State, Isaiah Burke of Morgan State, Brendan Medley Bacon of North Carolina Central University, Sam Sessions of Coppin State, Nathaniel Pollard Jr. of Eastern University of Maryland Eastern Shore, 
Demetric Horton of North Carolina A&T, Marquise Goodwin of Hampton University, Junior Clay of Tennessee State University, Greg Boyd of Tuskegee University, Kerry Richardson of Morehouse College, Alec Bowles of Savannah State University. They're going to be coached by Kenny Blakeney of Howard and Benji Taylor of Tuskegee. Now, next, we talk about the All-American teams of the SIAC, which will be, and as Cliff told you, they break it down into first and second team. It's the other one's first, it's uh, front court and back court. I'm sorry. So, Jeff, these, Rodney, are, these are all conference. You said All-American. All, I believe it's all conference. Yeah. All SIAC. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. Thank you for correcting me. That's all right. Rodney Battle, guard, junior out of Miles College. Greg Boyd, a redshirt senior at Tuskegee. Casey Doucette, a forward, a sophomore out of Fort Valley State, who's a nephew of a good friend of mine from Nashville. Alik Bowles, a forward, senior out of Savannah State. Burl Kabamba a redshirt sophomore uh, from Spring Hill College. It's got Devin Booker, a guard, a senior from Tuskegee. Tanya Copa, a guard, flash forward, sophomore from Spring Hill. Uh, Tanya is from uh, Western Australia, Perth, Western Australia. Richardson, a forward, senior, Morehouse. Gerard Wilson, a junior from Lemoyne-Owen. Jamal Reynolds, a guard, a junior from Fort Valley State. Their coach of the year is former uh, Georgetown Horia, Horace Broadnax. Player of the year, Casey Doucette from Fort Valley State. Defensive player of the year, Jamal Reynolds of Fort Valley State. Newcomer of the year, Rodney Battle of Miles, and freshman of the year will be Taryn Walford of Albany State. Alrighty. Now to go on to the CIAA all-conference teams. And as Dr. Cliff said, they're breaking down into backcourt and frontcourt. And the team will be almost want to say drum roll, please. Right. Backcourt is Francis Fitzgerald of Virginia State, Cress Worthy of Fayetteville State, Corey Williams of Lincoln University, PA, of Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, Ezekiel Kennedy, Kennedy of Johnson C. Smith University. Quentin Drayton of Bowie State. And the front court will be Terrence Hunter Whitfield of Virginia State, Ramad Wright of Virginia Union University, Amadou Fay of Elizabeth City State University, Robert Osborne of Virginia Union University, Tyler Foster of Fayetteville State, Jalen Gibson of Winston Salem. 
State, and Kyrie Temple of Livingstone College. All right. The all-rookie team is Ezekiel Canada of Johnson C. Smith, Nehemiah Johnson of St. Augustine's, Farrell Lassiter of Livingstone, Jaquante Harris of Elizabeth City State, and Freddie Young Jr. of Lincoln of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Player of the Year is Robert Osborne, Virginia Union. Defensive Player of the Year is Amadou Fay of Elizabeth City State. Men's Rookie of the Year is Ezekiel Canada of Johnson C. Smith. And the Robert Bobby Vaughn CIAA Coach of the Year is Jay Butler of Virginia Union. Uh, you asked for it, Jim. <laughs> uh, now we have an update on the playoff picture. Okay. You Jim, know, I was watching. Jim, 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 let me take one minute, one minute break. If you catch your breath, let's come right back with the NBA playoffs, okay? One minute. Sounds okay. good. You got it. All right, now. Welcome back to Cliff Burton, friends. Jim, take us away. NBA. All right. I'm going to start off with the Western Conference because Western Conference is one of the tightest races I've ever seen. The Denver Nuggets are five games ahead of the Grizzlies and the Kings. Phoenix Suns are three and a half games behind. But the difference between the number five L.A. Clippers and the number 12 New Orleans Pelicans is two and a half games. Wow. Case in point, the Lakers last night were in ninth place. Had they won, they would have gone up to sixth place. But since they lost, they went to 11th place. Hmm. That race is going to be tight. You know, Portland's only two games behind them, but like I said, if you even count Portland, difference between 13 and 5 is going to be four and a half games. So it's easier yeah. to tell you who's out than who's yeah. in. Who's leading that Uh The Denver Nuggets. And they've lost three in a row. So, you know, nothing is, nothing is given. Mm. Now, in the East... Milwaukee's leading Boston by a game and a half. They have three games on the 76ers, six and a half on the Cavs, nine and a half on the Knicks and the Nets. Now the playoff picture is a little different, but we have four and a half games between the seventh place Miami Heat and the 11th and 12th place Wizards and Pacers. 
with the Hawks, Rafters, and Bulls in between. Now next, we'll talk about John Morant and Sean Kemp. Jim, can I have a question on the NBA? And I, you know, um, the injuries. I think it's going to come down to the traders in the West. LeBron's injury update, Lucas injury update, and Kevin Durant. Can you give us where they are in their recovery? Kevin Durant is probably about two weeks away. Luca is not. Luca and Kyrie are not playing tonight against Memphis. I think uh, Luca is kind of day to day. Within about a week or two, they should hope to have him back. Okay. And the other one, LeBron. I've not heard anything, LeBron, but that ugly sweater he had on should mean he's coming back soon. <laughs> All right. All righty, all right. We love you, LeBron, but that was an interesting sweater. And didn't did Durant okay. just get traded? Yes, he was about to play his first home game. He's about to play his first home game, and in practice, he turned his ankle right before the game. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So the ball boys and the trainers are going to be determined in the playoff picture. How well they clean the floor. <laughs> well. Oh yeah, that ball boy has his job on the line if Durant doesn't come back soon. All righty. Now about John ja Morant, I have not heard anything this week. Now I'm looking at one report, and you know, allegedly, because I don't want to get in any trouble here, that John ja might have a problem with you know drinking. And if you're in a strip club at five o'clock in the morning doing an IG live video, that that's a possibility. You know, I love this young man. He's my son's favorite player. He's around the same age as my son. So I want him to get his I want him to get himself together. He's got a lot a lot of riding on it. And I think he can get it together. But I noticed they if you listen to what they say, they're not talking about it. But they're saying that, you know, he said he has to get his life together when he first announced that he'd be sitting out those two games. And then the team said that he'll be out probably until four more games until the 17th of March. Now, Jim, he's been dropped by some of his advertisers, including somebody today. Is it Power A dropped him? I believe so. Um, yeah, was he Power Aid or was he had another one? But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that he can get it together soon. Maybe he can get these back. But yeah, that's that's the consequence of your actions. Yeah. yeah, come on, come on, young fella. We we we're gonna be rooting for him because I think they get in they get you know they get into the league and then they just kind of forget you know that. You know, you're at the you're at a different level now. You you just yeah. can't go out and you know act like you did when you were in high school when nobody was really saying anything. You know, too much anyway, and so you have people looking at you and yeah, you think you've got it made, and you you know it can be taken away from you in a minute. Now, on the other hand, Sean Kemp, and mm-hmm. you know I'm going to say this because I, I believe it. I believe it truly. A lot of times you see a sensational article 
that does not follow the truth. Yep. And I'll give you, you know, when you first heard about Kyrie Irving and the uh, movie that he just put out the name of and maybe a flyer of all the things that, you know, he had to do that weren't true. Well, no, all the things that, that they said that weren't true. This is another example of that. Yeah. Sean Kemp is out of jail at sending one night at Tacoma jail. He was initially arrested for a drive-by shooting, but his client, his attorney says he was not involved in any drive-by shooting. He had tracked down his stolen phone to a, a Tacoma mall mm-hmm. and returned fire when someone else in the vehicle fired at him when he was approached. You know, it's, it looks like right now he's not going to face any discipline charges. But a written statement from his lawyer said that Kemp helped the law enforcement and was trying to assist after the shooting. Shortly after the police and Kemp interacted, you hear someone on the radio scene tell him the guy in a red vest needs to be, which is Kemp, needs to be detained in handcuffs. And then they determined after that that he was shot and he shot back in self-defense and his actions were reasonable and legally justified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Jim, I read this. Uh, you're right. When we followed up, the story was totally different. But when you're in, you're trying to sell papers as quickly as they can or sell the story. It's unfortunate. And I'm happy that... Uh, it's getting cleared up for Sean Kemp, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, and I'm t- there's another instance, I hope I can think of it by the time we leave, where it was something totally different once it, once the truth got out. Sure. But we have to be very careful on a lot of these things to make sure that it is the truth and not fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or not, I'm not even, fiction might not be uh, the right word, but it's the truth and not something that is not, you know, not based on the truth. Sure. Now, in terms of our Aaron Rodgers update, he's out of the darkness where he was for four days to try to decide his future. And he's still deciding. And as of right now, he has not decided. But, you know, David Carr has signed, not David, Derek Carr has yeah. signed yeah. with New Orleans. So that's one option the Jets don't have. Jimmy Garofalo signed with the Raiders. And their backup, uh, White, signed a two-year deal with the Dolphins. So they are hoping in New York yes, they are. that he's going to sign because if he doesn't, <laughs> there aren't too many options left. And I don't think you can go back to Zach Wilson. What is it about Aaron Rodgers? that makes him take 900 months to decide what he wants to do the next year. I mean, you'd think he'd be thinking about some of it even before the previous season ends. He, he loves his attention, doesn't he? I think he does, but I also think, too, he's guaranteed, you know, almost $60 million this year. Wow. So I guess he's deciding whether or not to go to the Jets or retire. I don't see almost 59 million is a lot to <laughs> come back for, you know, to, to think about, yeah. but you know, he's entitled to that. 
but it does not do the Jets any favor because while they're waiting, you know, a lot of their options are drying up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, we're going to take a minute and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Division One versus Division Two versus Division Three athletics, pros and cons. A lot of young people are making decisions, basketball, football, track and field right now. And I'd like for this information to get out. So let's take a minute and we'll come right back, okay? All right. Welcome back, Cliff Burton friends. Great job, Jim, on that segment. Now, the reason we go extensively into all three divisions is because we want our audience educated. Here's what the says, scribing, different, which a lot of high school athletes don't know. Division one, they say your sport is your life. There are 363 schools. And as an athlete, one in 23 students are athletes on most college campuses that are Division One, And the percentage of athletes receiving financial aid, a lot of time a full Division One scholarship is about 57%. Division One is ranked on the amount of sports offered by a school and also the amount of money that goes into the athletic budget. The lifestyle, though, they say often a Division One athlete doesn't have a lot of contact with their classmates, and they spend a, a lot of time, in case excessive time, on this sport, as opposed to the academics. It's a business. So let's start. D1 athlete. Jim, your thoughts. Marlo, your thoughts. Because there's some pros and cons to this. Jim? Well, I look at it this way. If you are serious about your sport and want to go pro d1 might be the best for you and i say that because the tv contracts mm -hmm. you know i love the university of michigan you can watch every one of their football basketball games on some form on some platform of tv now as you said you do a lot of travel this is why a lot of people are hesitant about UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten because that's going to be a lot of travel. You know, you think about from uh, Los Angeles to New York is about 3,000 miles. If Rutgers had to play with those two schools, they'd be traveling 3,000 miles. As you said, you, your basketball or your sport is basically your life. And... You said, again, you don't have a lot of interaction because you're house a lot of the, a lot, you take a lot of your classes online. I know there are a couple of students, especially during the pandemic, they asked them how they liked their school. They said they haven't been on campus because they've taken all their classes online. Mm -hmm. So there's a real commitment to it. Yeah. A lot of study on the road and a lot of athletes have to take their tougher classes in the summer, division one. And a lot of athletes, and nothing wrong with it, 
have to come back a fifth year or sixth year and eventually graduate because the load just gets too heavy during uh, the athletic season. Um, I'm going to move on to Division Two, And Marlo, I want you to get some input on this one first. This is the way it's described, a more balanced approach. There are 313 Division Two schools. The student to the rest of the, oh, no, the athlete to student ratio, one athlete for every 10 students. And the percentage of athletes receiving financial aid or a partial athletic scholarship is about 60%. Now, there is a commitment. There is dedication. There are demands. The one thing is you're less likely to have to have excess travel. Most of your games are regionally, and you do have more of a balanced approach. We're talking Virginia Union. We're talking our CIAA schools. We're talking our SIAC schools and all the other Division II schools that are in the playoffs now. And remember, there are 313 of these schools as opposed to Division I, in which you have 363. So a few left. Marlon, your thoughts, Division II. Um, yeah, I think like as Jim mentioned, you know, if you are kind of half and half, you know, you're geared towards, um, you're concentrating on your, you know, perspective sports, but you are also concentrating, you know, on your academics. Um, I think this may, you know, this may be a route for some students, you know, because, you know, they offer like full scholarships, um, partial, partial, uh, partial, most partial of the time. Yeah, I think it's probably will probably depend on, you know, um, the school and their budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the partial scholarships um, seem to be more common. The staff is much smaller, so you probably get a chance to, you know, um, interact a little more with your professors, um, you know, have a maybe more camaraderie with them instead of, you know, I would think probably at a division one, you know, school where you are, you know, the classes are so large, mm-hmm. you know, you probably like one in 100 in the division one, you know, um, in terms of the amount of students in the class versus, uh, you know, a D2 school. Um, you don't have to travel, like you said, you don't have to travel as far, you know, though there is some traveling, but not as far as like the Division One um, schools travel. Um, you get a little more break in terms of, um, you know, working out in, in between uh, off seasons, you know, things like that. You probably have more of a balance, you know, which you mm-hmm. mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, before. So, sure, it may work for you know some students. All right, Division Three, and we'll come to both of you. And by the way, this is what Fisk University was when I played in the '80s. Now they're NAIA school. Division Three says a well-rounded college experience. There are more. Division three schools, then one or two, 442 to be exact. And as a student athlete, one in four on the campus, one student athlete for every four students. Now, the percentage of athletes that receive an athletic scholarship is zero. Division three does not offer athletic scholarships. But hold on a second. Even though the practice is a little less intense, the game's much closer to home. Most 
athletes at Division Three receive a grant and aid and an athletic scholarship to cover their schooling. There's something else. I didn't go into it with Division Two or One. I want to make sure I do my research. But Division Three states 87% of D3 athletes graduate from college within four years. So my question becomes this to young athletes. Do you think you have a good chance going pro or don't mind taking a longer time and you can make a Division One squad? Fine. Or D2 squad? Fine. But let's look at the numbers. There are only 144 jobs in the WNBA and some overseas jobs. So what school are you going to go to to give you the best chance to become pro in something? Okay. When it's time to leave a college, okay, they don't ask you when you're applying to med school, law school, doctor school, MBA school, what division you played athletics. There is no divisions when you apply academically. So where are you going matched up to your ability to give you a chance to go pro in something after you get through with your sport? We have to learn to teach our young folks the biggest difference in these. One more. We haven't talked about this because there's no division four, but there is what may be the best hidden secret, N-A-I-A. Why? Because <clears throat> there are 82% of private institutions, average number of sports, 16. The average number of student athletes are 293. Most are faith-based. And yes, most offer athletic scholarships that average around $8,000. In essence, you could get a small campus, a small school, an athletic scholarship, and still have a very low uh, teacher, no, student-to-teacher ratio, okay, where you could get your academics. So NIA also is a great option, and we just want to touch on it tonight. I'm going to ask some Division three athletes when they come on, NAI athletes, we're going to talk about with Renee Spencer. We'll ask soon-to-be Dr. Terry Williams, D1 athlete, to come back on, and several others, because our students need to be educated on this to make the best option for them while they're at the school, but more importantly, the rest of their life beyond that school. And they need to walk away from there with what you went for in education. Marlo, final comments. We just started this segment. But give us some comments, and then I'm gonna come to you, Jim. Um, I appreciate this discussion, you know, because, like I mentioned before, the only time that you know they that they really mentioned um, the Division Two and the Division Three uh, schools is I haven't heard too much of it outside of uh, this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because all you hear, and I think all of the, uh, what other students may hear is just division one and, and that's where their mindset is. So for them to know, first of all, the difference between, um, all of the different, uh, divisions and the conferences, um, to really help them make a decision, um, on where they have, um, 
the most opportunity, you know, to, like you said, go pro, whether it's athletically or academically. So I appreciate this discussion. Jim? Well, I'm going to say this, because you and I met first day freshman year in a class. One of the reasons we could is because there were only 15, 20 people in the class. (laughs) I know our institution has a teacher-to-student ratio of 12 to 1. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd say this. If you want to go pro, they'll find you just about any place. Come on. But we played with, I know, the three guys that I golfed with, two of them are lawyers, one of them is a titan in business. You played with executives, doctors, lawyers. You've even had a chance to coach a uh, superintendent of schools. Yes. So it's just like that commercial says. There are X amount of athletes that play NCAA sports. Not all of them go pro. Most of them don't go pro. And they had a doctor, a lawyer, and they had all types of careers that these athletes go into. These are people that love the sport Mm -hmm. and just want to continue to play. I never dreamed I would go pro in golf. Mm -hmm. And I did. But I enjoyed playing it. I enjoyed playing with the guys I played with and had a good time. Yeah. And I think you have to look at your level of commitment. There's still commitment there. Yes, it is. And, you know, we didn't, you know, we were in the CAC at that point. So we didn't do much traveling out of Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, and Illinois. Just that, that group right there. So there wasn't a lot of long travel. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us were students first and athletes second. No doubt about it. Uh, best decision I ever made. My high school coach, the fifth guy, played basketball there. Coach, the late coach, Leroy, out of Nashville. And he told me, Cliff, <clears throat> this is school for you, for what you're trying to do. And I'll never forget, you know, I had dreams, maybe even say elusive dreams as a teenager of one of the D1. And he said to me, for what states you want to be, a physician. And if you go to Fisk, everybody may not call your name as much as someone else on TV at some of our biggest schools for four years. But I guarantee you, your development at Fisk and over your lifetime, more people will call your name over a lifetime than some of those athletes to win to the four-year big schools uh, of many of them. And I never forgot that. So... Again, I just want to pass this lesson on. This is going to go out, get downloaded, and I hope our young folks can make informed decisions and know the options. It's hard to make great decisions when you don't understand what those options are. So that's why we want to make sure we get this message out tonight. Um, we don't get the chance for quite some to talk about our players and our conference, call the name, and spread on the platform because most of the time, Half of our show, half of our shows were interviewed. So we need our informative shows like this tonight. And uh, I can't say thank you enough. Marlo, we always give you the last word. What do you have to say before we go to commercial for Jim and get out of here? And, and those of to get out of here. Uh, again, thank you for this show. It's very informative, I think, especially, you know, for the students, the student athletes, um, and wherever, whatever division they are in. So hopefully this will give them something to think about. Um, 
and again for um the former w uh i mean not w but the former nba player sean kemp no relation so <laughs> glad that <laughs> glad that his story was not what we initially thought it was so thanks jim for that update all righty well i'm gonna say um uh, Marlo, go ahead and give your cousin Sean a shout out. Don't, don't be shy about that. But again, you know, I'll just end it on this. We always have to be careful about what we report and what we say because a lot of times it's not true. And, you know, the headline reads, former NBA All-Star Sean Kemp involved in a drive-by. It, did, it left out a lot of pertinent information in that. So let's always be careful with that. But I'd like to say, go ahead, Jim. go ahead. Well, if they misquote it, we're gonna clear it up here on Clifford and Friends every week. Now, as always, we want you to listen to our sister show, our sister sports talk, every Wednesday evening, nine to eleven, nine ten a.m. WFDF, iHeart Radio, Mark Jones and Friends, Mark, Reggie, Jack, Jim. Uh, Cliff, who am I missing, Jim? Who am I missing? Carl. Carl. All right. And Derek for this point. And Derek. We have a lot of good action for you. Again, 9 p.m., 11 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. You'll hear it. Mark Jones' friends on WFDL. Thank you so much. Great show. We'll see everybody back in 100 and what, Jim? 169 hours. hours. <laughs> And um, right, I just send out a little short prayer for uh, Mark Jones's daughter, Madison, who's yes. doing a lot better now. Yes, Mark Jones' Great. daughter. Let's keep up the prayers. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have All a right. good week.